Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Good morning, good morning. Good to see everybody today. I am Pastor Chris, as Scott said, and uh, for those of you who are tuning in online, thank you so much for joining us week in and week out, especially those of you, though, who might be tuning in uh, for the very first time, and uh, for all of you who are here in person, uh, welcome. Great to see all of you, your smiling faces. I know you're smiling behind the mask. You're smiling with your eyes, right? There you go. Great to see you. We are glad that you are here. Uh, Today, I am wrapping up our summer reading series. Uh, But before I jump into that, I got a couple of quick uh, kind of announcements, some exciting things uh, happening here in the life of our church. So here's the first one. Next Sunday, well this week, today, is the last Sunday as we know it in the old building uh, for our Coastal Kids Children's Ministry. Why, you might ask, is it our last Sunday in the old building? Because finally, finally, we are beginning construction on our new project here, our new facility uh, here at Coastal Community Church. So we're excited about that. So here's what that means. Uh, This coming week, they begin the pre-construction site work, silt fencing, tree barricades, construction road, all of that. I will be documenting every little bit of it. So follow us online. I'll be taking pictures of every silt fence that goes up. I'm so excited about it. And then the following week, uh, the week of the 21st, uh, we actually begin they begin uh, demolition of the interior of the old building. And so what that means is that next Sunday, next Sunday, our Coastal Kids Children's Ministry, birth through fifth grade, is going portable across the street at Orange Grove Middle School. So it's really simple. If you've got kids and Coastal Kids, now right now that means just the 930 service, okay? Coastal Kids is just in the 930 service right now, probably for the rest of this month, and hopefully in October uh, we'll expand to both the 9.30 and the 11.15. But next Sunday, when you come to this service, the 9.30 service, park over there like normal across the street, drop your kids off uh, at Coastal Kids at Orange Grove Middle, and then just come on over here for worship. And you're going to be impressed with what we have done, uh, how we're going to transform their campus into Coastal Kids Children's Ministry. So that is next Sunday. I'm excited about that. And then next Sunday as well, the 20th, we're kicking off a brand new sermon series series here called Hope in the Dark. Hope in the Dark. So let me ask you a couple of questions. In 2020, okay, 2020, have you ever felt overwhelmed, defeated, discouraged, worried, or afraid? And then as you look out in the, at the situation, the state of the world, the state of our nation, our community, I mean, with, with everything you see in the media today of the, the violence and the hatred and the division and anger, do you ever have a sense of hopelessness? Hopelessness. How many of you would simply say, yes, Pastor Chris, to both questions, all of the above, right? Well, if so, if, that's, if you feel any of that whatsoever, this new series is for you. Together as a church, we're going to be going through the little letter in the New Testament of 1 Peter. 1 Peter was written to a group of Christians who were experiencing great persecution. These were dark and difficult times for these believers, and they needed to be reminded that this world ultimately is not our home. We are passing through, and there is still hope. Now, as we finish out 2020, I feel like that is a message that we need to be reminded of today. 
And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't already done so, sign up to start receiving our daily devotional and weekly memory verse that's going to be sent out to you beginning next Monday, five days a week, as we go through 1 Peter together as a church, and we discover that there is still hope in the dark. I'm excited about it, and I hope you are too. Now, back to summer reading. Today's book is Parenting. 14 Gospel Principles That Can Radically Change Your Family by Paul David Tripp. Don't worry, I don't have 14 points in my sermon this morning, okay? But this is not your typical parenting book. You know, it's not. You know, like the uh, 10 Rules for Raising Godly Kids, okay? It's not that. By the way, though, someone once pointed out to me that that's usually the parenting sermon series title that uh, young pastors kind of starting out in ministry uh, use for their, their parenting sermon. You know, when they're, when they're young and, and uh, you know, really don't have any kids themselves yet, right? Ten rules for raising godly kids. But then, then, you know, as they get a little bit older and they have, you know, a child themselves, uh, it becomes ten guidelines for raising good kids. And then after another child or two, it's, it's just five principles for raising kids. And then after the teenage years, that sermon series becomes three suggestions for surviving parenthood. And then finally, you know, when the kids are grown and gone and you're like my age, the lone sermon series title is simply good luck, <laughs> okay? Good luck. So, Now, even though Janet and I personally have raised two kids that are both married and on their own, and even though that I have, even though I have taught on various aspects of the family for more than 30 years now, I will still be the first to admit that when you're speaking on parenting, it is a fearful thing. Because, you know, it's really not like a a one size fits all thing. Every child is different. And uh, I, don't, I don't know about you, but when Jan and I were raising our kids, we, we were learning and growing and discovering right along with them. Now, one of the things, though, that everybody in this room and everybody that's going to be watching this online, one of the things we all have in common is that regardless of your background, regardless of where you're from, regardless of your own spiritual heritage, We all have a desire, a shared desire, to have a healthy, loving family. However, families today are very, very different and extremely difficult. Would you agree with that? Very different and very difficult. The world in which we are, that people are raising their kids today, is very complicated. And uh, being a parent, it is a full-time, difficult, and demanding job. And then just about the time that you you actually feel like you kind of, you know, got some experience on this thing, kind of know what you're doing, that's the time that, you know, your kids are out the door. Now, I believe, and, and this is really driven home in this book, that any discussion of parenting has got to begin by settling two very important foundational issues. Here's the first one. What's your goal in parenting? Moms and dads, what's your goal? Okay, think about it. Any good business plan starts with looking at the end result first. What is it supposed to be? What are you trying to uh, to accomplish? 
okay? The same issues have to be settled as far as parenting is concerned. So parents, let me ask you, what's your primary goal? What's the end game? You know, what are you shooting for with your kids? Now, a lot of parents today would say, well, my number one goal for my kids is for them to be what? Happy, happy. Listen, your goal has got to go much deeper than that. And your goal, by the way, is not to raise a successful child, you know, as the world defines success, one who is accomplished in some field and ends up making a load of money. It's not to raise a popular child, one who's attractive and socially sought after, who marries a a good-looking spouse and provides you with the most beautiful and gifted grandchildren on the planet. The goal of parenting, here it is, it is to love God, it's to raise children who love God, accept Jesus as their Savior, and live according to the principles in God's Word, so as to bring Him glory. That's it. That's the goal. And so if your children grow up to do that, if they accomplish that, then you've been a success. Because ultimately, that is the only place for lasting and true satisfaction and joy, eternal joy. Now, the second issue is just as critical and just as foundational. Again, the first one is all about the end game, the end result. The second issue deals with, okay, so how are we going to get there? What's your standard in parenting? What's your parenting blueprint? What voices are you going to listen to? Now, let me cut to the, ch- to the chase. If you are a follower of Jesus, then God's word is your guide to parenting. God's word, not the wisdom of this world. In fact, we're told over and over again in the Bible not to become enamored with the world's way of life, with the world's philosophy. In fact, 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, the message of the cross, okay, the message of Jesus, the good news of the gospel, what Jesus accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection, it is what? Foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You see, the wisdom of God and the philosophy of this world have become so diametrically opposed to one another that God's way and God's wisdom, it looks like foolishness to this world. And so mom and dad, you're going to face choices every single day. Are you going to accept the wisdom of this world or are you going to accept and live by the revealed wisdom of God's word? For example, some experts today will encourage you to develop a democratic household where you treat your children as equals to you. But the Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Some people will insist, well, you know, don't try to impose your religious values on your children. You know, kids need to be completely free to choose on their own. And yet the Bible says, parents, train your children up in the way that they should go. Psalm 77, verses four through seven, I think we both discover the the goal of parenting and, and the standard of parenting. Follow along as I read this passage. 
We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about God's word, God's miracles, God's wonders. And and now, here's the continuing goal of parenthood. Here it is. So the next generation would know them. Listen to this. Even the children yet to be born. And they, in turn, would tell their children. Now here's the specific goal. Then they would put their what? Their trust in God. And would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. Every believer, every mom and dad who follows Jesus wants that to be true of their children. Now, let me, let me just be very, very honest with you today. Sometimes I think we confuse and complicate this thing of parenting way, way too much. Okay? I'm a simple guy, so I want to give you the best, simplest advice that I can give you as a parent today. Here it is. You will be, you're, you're going to be okay. You'll be a great parent if you will simply treat your kids, your children, the way God treats you. That's it. The way God, our perfect Heavenly Father, treats His children is the, the standard for us, is the goal for us. That, that's the way we ought to strive to treat our children. So today, here's what we're going to do. I simply want us to take a look at what God is like and then draw some applications from that for parenting. Okay? So number one if I'm going to be like my heavenly father, I gotta understand my children. I gotta understand them. Psalm 103, 13 and 14 says this, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Now, what that's saying here is that God knows you. He knows everything there is to know about you. He knows what makes you tick. He understands your personality. And probably the number one complaint kids have against their parents is they just don't what? Understand me. Look at this next verse. By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Homes are built. Your family is built on wisdom and understanding. And I think one of the things he's saying there is that, man, as moms and dads, we got to study our kids. We got to know them. We got to understand them. Every child is unique. Would you agree with that? Every child is unique. How many of you today are watching online have more than one child? You got two or more children, right? Okay. Now let me ask you this. Or maybe you grew up, you know, in a household with more than two or more children. So let me ask you, are they all alike? your kids, your siblings, are you all alike? Absolutely not. You are as different as night and day, even though you're from the same family. So think about that. Can you motivate them all the same way? Do you have all the same strengths, the same weaknesses, the same talents and abilities? No. Then parents, we shouldn't try to fit them all into the same mold. Everyone is different. Now, what's the proof that you are understanding to your children, that you understand them. Listen to Proverbs 14, 29. People with understanding control their what? What's it say? Their 
their anger, their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. One of the evidences that you understand your kids is that you're more and more patient with them. By the way, that's a great principle just in life in, life in general, right? The, the more understanding you are, and again, that's not you know, making excuses or um, you know, we're not talking about sin or anything like that. We're just talking about just understanding people. The more understanding you are, the, the more likely you are to control your anger. Now, not only must I understand my kids, if I want to be like my heavenly father, number two, I must accept them. I must accept them. Okay, mom and dad, let me ask you a question. Are you perfect? Nope. But God accepts you. You are a sinner in need of salvation, in need of grace, just like your children. You're a sinner in need of grace. And in fact, as a mom and dad, as a parent, you are the example of God's grace to your children. You see, we have a tendency to reject our kids when they mess up. You know, and, and even on a, on, a, on a lower level, when they don't look the way we want them to look, when they don't dress the way we want them to dress, when they don't meet our standards, as if you're the standard, okay? Now, again, I'm not talking about sin here. I'm not talking about disobedience. In, in general, I'm really just talking about preferences here. You know, we say this all the time, and the Bible confirms this, that children are a gift from God. So let me ask you a question, mom and dad. Have you accepted that gift? Because God chose the kids that you have, the kids that you're going to have. He put them in your family. He chose you and he chose them and their preferences, their likes, their dislikes. The Bible says in Romans 15, 7, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. You've got to accept them as the gift they are from God. But we tend to send out signals as parents that say, you need to be like me. You know, um, you need to be interested in the things I'm interested in. You need to uh, do as good in school as I did. You need to be athletic as I was. Or worse, you need to be better. That's a lack of, of recognition and appreciation for the way God made that child. And pretty soon, subtly, what you are saying to that child is, and what they're thinking is, if I want to be accepted by mom and dad, I can't be myself. And the only way for me to, be, to get acceptance in this family is by my performance. And that's tragic. Does God accept you based on your performance? No. So if I'm going to be like God, my heavenly Father, i got to understand my kids. I need to accept them. And then number three, yes, I must discipline them. I must discipline my children. Hebrews 12, 6, what does it say about God? For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Did you know that? That God's discipline is a sign of God's love. And the Bible actually teaches that if I do not discipline my children, mom and dad, if you don't discipline your kids, then two things are true. Number one, it proves that you really don't love your children. 
Proverbs 13, 24, those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Wow, that's strong. In other words, if I just let my kids get away with anything and everything, it shows that I really don't care about them. The other thing that it shows if you don't discipline your kids is that you actually are participating in their ruin, their destruction. Proverbs 19.18, discipline your children while there is hope. By the way, he's talking about very, very young children there. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. Now, I could spend, we could spend weeks and weeks talking about just this one issue, what discipline looks like, and there's lots of books that have been written about it, so I just want to give you just a, a quick little uh, overview here. First of all, there's no right, um, th- there is a right and a wrong way to discipline, okay? Let me say that. And then what works with one child might not work with another child, but that is not an excuse for you as a mom or dad to fail to do what God has both entrusted and empowered you to do. Discipline is a process, and it changes and develops as your children change and develop. Now, early, early on, when your kids are very little, discipline really is all about just correcting their selfish nature. And all children have one because you have one. And and it's during this correcting stage that children need to discover that obedience is good, authority is good, and that there are consequences for disobedience. Here's some descriptions of, um, of discipline in general. Discipline should be calm, immediate, shared if you're married between husband and wife, and well thought out. Discipline is not yelling. Swatting your kid down the aisle of a grocery store is not discipline. That's the correcting stage. The next stage of discipline, typically from about age like five or six to about 10 or 11, is the training stage. Okay, I call this the training stage. In the training stage, well, in the first stage, when you tell your child to do something and they say, Why? Why? It's okay for you to say, because what? Because I said so, that's why. Now, on the other hand, when they get older and you tell them what to do and they say, why? This is not, listen to me, this is not where you say, because I said so. Now, don't get me wrong, don't misunderstand. They still need to obey because you said so, but it's at this stage that you begin to add more information. Because the goal here in this stage is you are trying to train, their, train them to obey. You're try, your goal as a parent here is to stimulate within your child's heart a desire for right things. Okay, there's a difference. In, in the training stage, you begin to reach a point where you, your kids want to obey. Not out of the fear of punishment because but, be, but out of love, out of respect for you and your authority as a parent, and, and they see you as a representative of God. Now, if that shift in, in their motive doesn't occur in this stage, I hate to tell you this, the teenage years are going to be difficult. Very, very hands-on early on. Lots of rules, lots of correction, lots of explanation. Listen, it's hard work. I said that. 
It is. But then as your child grows, there's got to be less and less of that. Now, mom and dad, if you are still relying on threats of punishment for your teenager, you're in for a long battle. The motive in your teenager has got to shift from external, from you to internal. I want to obey out of love and, and respect. Colossians 3, 20 and 21. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. But then listen to this. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. Uh, some tr one translation says, or they will give up. Discipline in the teen years. It's really about coaching. Now again, you've moved from correcting to training and now to coaching. I think some of the greatest frustrations uh, in life occur for families when parents are treating their teenagers like preschoolers and they're treating their preschoolers like teenagers. You can't parent in the same, the same way in different stages. So what's the goal? What are you trying to do in the, in the coaching stage? Let me just tell you. You're simply encouraging, encouraging your teens to start making right choices. During this stage, you can't do a lot of discipline. And at times, punishment doesn't work either. That's why all that's got to be done early, early on. And, and what we do when they're teenagers is, man, we're just coaching. We're just encouraging them in, in the right direction. Now think about it. Football's back, baby, right? Go Tigers! Woo! Think about what a coach does. A coach stands on the sidelines... You know, he calls the plays, but guess what? He doesn't execute the plays. And sometimes the players run the play to perfection, and sometimes they throw an interception. Sometimes they, they fumble the ball. Just like you. Just like you. But the coach doesn't give up. The coach doesn't quit coaching. You know, it's the same in life. Sometimes parents, you know, sometimes, sure, mom and dad, you know, a teenage man, you got to call a timeout. you got to have a family meeting. you got to huddle everybody up together. you got to talk through this. you got to call a different play. But the point I'm making is that at this stage of life, man, you can't get on the field any longer and run the plays with your kids. In fact, this is, this is cr crucial. Every teenager has got to discover in this stage that his or her decisions and choices have consequences. Students, all the students that are here, all the students that might be watching this online, you're back in school, baby, right? Any of you remember studying Newton's law of physics? Okay, so one of the laws is for every action, there is an opposite and equal what? Reaction. You can bank on it, right? It's a law. You can bank on it. Well, you can also bank on God's moral law. Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. He will not be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Now, so again, to all the students here that, might, that are here in the room, that are here watching, do you remember when you were little and life was easy, Right? Mom and dad made all the decisions for you. They took care of everything. But now, life is harder. And life is full of choices. 
But the Bible makes it crystal clear that every choice you make, every decision you make, there are consequences. And the sooner you discover that, the sooner you learn that and come to terms with that, the more successful you are going to be in life, the better off you are going to be. Number four, if I'm going to be like my heavenly father, I've got to express love to my children. The Bible is full of examples of God's love for you. Every one of you, if you're a mom or dad, man, you love your kids and you express your love to your kids in ways that are, that are easiest for you, that are most comfortable for you. But what you've got to begin to do is a, if you want to be a great parent is you've got to learn to express love in ways that they need, that your children need and understand, which sometimes is different from the way you express it. Let me give you at least three ways that most kids uh, understand love. Number one, through affection. Affection, I'm talking here about physical contact, hugs and kisses and pats on the back. And, and listen, your kids need that today more than ever before. And you might be here today or watching this and you say, yeah, but Pastor Chris, I didn't grow up in a family like that. We were not very expressive. You know what I want to tell you today? Here it is. And all the love I can muster, get over yourself. Get over yourself. Who cares what, what's most comfortable for you? That's not what love is anyway, right? The Bible says in Psalm 145, 9, the Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. Listen, over and over again, all throughout Scripture, God is affectionate with his children. Do not be afraid to show affection. Show them you care. In fact, let me give all the moms and dads, all the parents here, a little homework assignment for today, a little project. Sometime today, go home and give a loving touch to every member of your family. Affection. If it's been a long time and you, and you come up and hug them, they're going to freak out. Who cares? You hug them. Number two, affirmation. The way we talk. Psalm 145, 14. The Lord helps the fall and he lifts up those bent beneath their load. We shape our kids with the words that we, the, the words that we use. Listen, build them up. Encourage them with your words. Catch them doing good and praise them. But let me say this. Everybody affirms, you know, when you get straight A's. Everybody affirms when you, when you hit the home run. But what about those times in your child's life when they try and they lose? They try and they fail. That's when they need to be affirmed. That's when they need your love and encouragement. Number three, attention. Attention, that's probably the, the number one way in which kids just sense that they're loved, giving them attention, time, listening with your ears, listening with your eyes, just spending time together. Psalm 145, 18, the Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. And that's the missing link in so many families today, just spending time together. Instead, most, most parents think that their main you know, job in life is just their you know, recreational calendar for their children. Just taking them from an event to event to event when really what they need is you. We're just living separate lives going in a million different directions and we're gonna pay the price for that. And then finally, number five, if I wanna be a great parent like my heavenly father, I gotta be consistent. Consistent with my children. Verse 17 of Psalm 145. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, faithful in all he does. You can circle the word all there. You know, if you've got kids at home, your home is bugged. It is bugged. Little ears are picking up everything you say. Way before there was an Alexa, okay? 
Your, your house is being bugged. You are, you are teaching 24-7. You are never off the record at home. Your kids are watching you. They're watching how you talk on the phone. They're, they're watching how you deal with other people in the community, how you treat your spouse, what you say and do to them, that you are constantly teaching by your example. So be consistent. And I think one of the best ways that we can be consistent is when we fail, which we will, when we make mistakes, is you admit it. Again, you, you just use that as a teachable moment of our need, of God's grace and forgiveness. And, and you, you need to say to your children on a regular basis, I blew it. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Now, maybe you're here today and you feel frustrated as a parent. Maybe you're watching this and you just feel like, you know, my kid is just not going the way I want them to be going. And you feel like a total failure. Well, I got good news for you. I also want to remind you that our Heavenly Father is also a forgiving Father. Admit your mistakes to Him. Receive forgiveness. Say, God, I admit it. I have not been the parent I ought to be I, or that I want to be. I admit it, and I, I ask you to forgive me. And then not only will God forgive you, but get this, and this is why it all goes back to the gospel. This is why we need Jesus, is that then God also gives you the power to change. Maybe you actually need to plan you know, a time of reconciliation with your kids where you sit down with them and you say, you know what, I have not been the mom or the dad that I, that I ought to be. And I ask you to forgive me. And I'm asking for God's power to help change me. There's a lot of you here today, a lot of you watching, maybe you're a new parent, maybe you're an expecting parent. And you are scared to death. <laughs> Let me just say, it's really not that complicated. Just strive to treat your kids the way God treats you. If you do that, I promise you'll be okay. You see, ultimately, your kid's greatest need, it's the same as yours. It's a new heart. And Jesus describes that as being born again. But here's the thing. That is not something that you can do in and of yourself. That's not something you can do ultimately for your kids. It's not something you can demand of them. It's not something you can choose for them. It is a work of the Holy Spirit in their heart. And it's much deeper than just you know good behavior and following the rules. It's a heart change that comes from meeting Jesus. And so, yes, your high and holy calling is to pray for them, to direct them, to teach them and lead them and train them. And, and little by little over time, introduce them to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus, the only one who can truly change their heart. But just like you, they have a choice to make. They have to choose. What about you? Have you chosen? Have you been born again? You see, that's what we all need. And you can have it today. You can admit your sin. You can cry out to a holy and loving God 
who is ready to receive you and welcome you home. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today I do thank you for the series that we have been in, summer reading. Ultimately, God, I pray that our people and our church have been pointed to you and to your word. And Father, today I pray for the families here among us, all the moms, all the dads, all the children. We're all a part of a family. We all are. Some grew up in a very healthy and functioning family, a very family that was led by good and godly parents who did their best and and pointed their kids to Jesus. And there's a lot of people, God, that didn't grow up that way. And they're hurting. And so, God, today I pray for the hurting families here among us. And, God, I, I take great hope in this idea that there is still help and hope from you and your word, and um, that the rest of our life, no matter what's left, can still be the best. And Father, I pray that we will begin to to point our kids to Jesus. It will be about that that hard work of of loving and serving and, and being a conduit, an ambassador of your love and your grace. I pray these things today in the name of Jesus. And listen, if you are here today and you are ready to come home, you are ready to receive God's forgiveness for the very first time, just pour your heart out to God and ask him. And just say, I believe, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is your son, God, that he is God's heavenly father, his son. And that he came to this earth and he, and he sacrificed his one and only life for you and for me. And you believe that. As much as you understand, as much as you know how, you put your faith and your trust in Jesus. And if you will do that today, he will come into your life. He will replace your old heart with a brand new heart. He'll forgive you and adopt you into his forever family. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.